0: Welcome back. This is the Alchemist Nation podcast. My name is Gualter Amarello. I get to travel across the country with all sorts of different real estate investors and entrepreneurs who are completely involved in real estate, becoming millionaires or already millionaires, and they're just looking to give back some of their knowledge. Today, I'm with a very special guest, Loka. Welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> Good Wednesday morning, man. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, brother. I'm good. So Loco, we were just talking a little bit before this uh, and you introduced me by one of my friends. He said that you are the hotel container expert. And uh, it turns out you do a lot more than hotel containers, uh, container hotels. But before we dive into it, how did you get into real estate in the first place? And know you said it's been in your family for a long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to jump in. So what was it that made you say you're going to jump into hotels?
1: You know, you know, if you ask any hotelier why they got into hotels or if they plan to get into hotels, I think most people had not, you know, um, when when the I'm a Gujarati Indian and when Gujarati Indians were migrating from India, um, they started getting jobs, but then they're like, hey, we have to get money from the job and then pay rent. Like, what is a concept where we don't have to do that? And so they started getting into these small inns, seven room inns, 10 room inns, 15 room inns, so that, hey, their income producing asset is a place that they could stay at. And so our family had been in that for a couple of generations. But the thing is, as a, as a first generation American over here growing up in it, it wasn't the funnest thing to be in. Right? <laughs> like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning rooms at the age of five or six. You know, I'm behind the, the counter at the age of eight years old, right, checking people in. Uh, it gave me a lot of experience, but I grew up saying, hey, I, did, I didn't really want to do hotels. And then uh, my family also got into jewelry. My dad became a jeweler when the 87, 88 recession hit. And so I was behind a jewelry counter at the age of like 10, 11, 12, selling jewelry, something. I said, hey, I don't want to do anymore. You know, like it's not something I want to do. What am I doing right now? Jewelry in hotels you know, and so what What <laughs> changed, <laughs> right, so, and I'm telling you, I swore, I went through college, I'm like, I'm going, I changed majors six different times, ended up in finance, fell in love with finance, uh, and then me and my brother, who've been partners, we've done, like, uh, small retail businesses when we were in high school, sold little miniature cars, sunglasses, you know, like, specialty retail, seasonal businesses, and then we said, hey, let's go into consulting, you know, go travel, you know, like, you know, get trained, learn a lot of things, see a lot of places, and then learn a bunch of different businesses and then figure out what business we want to get into. As I'm graduating undergrad, my uncle, I actually, I call my brother. He's my cousin brother, but we grew up in the same house. Um, my uncle was like, hey, your other uncle wants to buy a small inn. I'm like, that's great. They're like, do you, do you want to look at him? I'm like, heck no. Right? Like, I said, grew up in this thing. I ain't trying to be in here, put my work in for a good 20 years. (laughs) Um, But as I started to get into the deal, there was one property, a small 20 room. And I was like, okay, it's not bad. But I've always done the financial analysis since like 11 or 12. My uncle was like a lot of the financial brain. So he taught me everything. Uh, When I was growing up, you know, we had chore lists at home. And my sisters was like, uh, do the dishes, you know, fold the laundry, uh, wipe the table down. My I had vacuuming, I had uh sweep the floors, but I also had do the bank reconciliations, pay payroll taxes. Like I was doing all of the back end accounting when I was eleven or twelve years old. So naturally, I understood the, the numbers of the business. So I started analyzing this. I think I was twenty two at the time, and uh, we started to look at it. And when I was talking to the realtor, I was like, "Okay, hey, we like this property." And he's like, "Well, which one?" I'm like, "Oh, this this small property is called Riata Inn." He's like, "Well, which one?" There's four. And so my uncle's like, well, let's take a look at them all. Right. And so we looked at the whole deal and, um, it was two bit brothers that, uh, inherited, didn't really want the business anymore. So, uh, we, I started looking at it, it was like, the financial analysis as is miss, like they hadn't managed it really well, was a 40% return on investment cash on cash. If you put about 20, 25% down. Right. So I'm like, Hey, this is, pretty good deal you know uh and the uncle that originally wanted it backed out he's like I don't I don't want to do this I don't I think it's too much work and so then my uncle was like why don't you guys get it um you know what sorry I take that back it wasn't 40 percent um it was after we negotiated because I was like oh I don't know I think it came out to be about 27 percent and then I was like no I don't want to be in the business I don't want to do it He's like, just throw them a low ball offer. So I offered them half of what they were asking for all of it, right? Because I'm like, if I get it for half, I'll take it. Well, they were like, heck no. But they actually brought down the purchase price by 35%. And that translated to, I think, came out to be like a 42% return on investment. So to me, I'm like, I've been in the business. I understand the business. I don't want to be in this business. (laughs) But I just happen to be good at it. Right, it's like the tennis player is really good. It doesn't want to go pro, but it's like, yeah, hey, maybe I'll go for a little bit. So I talked to my brother. I'm like, you know, let's do this for a couple of years. You know, beef it up and then uh, flip it. So yeah,
0: he's yeah. like, are,
1: are you serious? I'm yeah. like, yeah. I mean, what else are we doing right now? Like, this is pretty pretty golden opportunity. We get into it after the first three months, we realized that they weren't doing any rate management. We realized that the only interaction they had, and they were they were really nice people. I just don't think they really understood the business. They would go once a once a month to go talk to the managers and they would just have breakfast or lunch with them, but they wouldn't talk to any business. They would just say, Hey, how are you doing? And so there's no KPIs, there's nothing. So I got in there, like I, you know, like I, I get pretty intense going on. And within three months, we realized that 40% turned out to be about an 80% return. Once we tweaked everything, we got our initial investment back in 14 months. And then I'm oh. like, huh, <laughs> this ain't so bad. Maybe we won't flip this thing. And so yeah, just continue that trajectory, uh, stuck with that. And then uh, as the family started to see, cause there's always a transition. We always want to keep things separate. We didn't quite have enough money to kind of get into the business we built up a substantial amount of cash, but that was just from our small businesses and undergrad where our parents are like, Hey, here's the money. That's what we've been fortunate. Right. But I'm like, I don't want to take it. Right? So, like,
0: so what does a, a small hotel like that cost to get into? So what, what are the numbers on something like
1: that? Uh, it depends like a 20 room property. Um, you can get into it as low as, Okay, let's put, let's take this back. A produce a one that you want to buy. Right? Right. Yeah, so that, <laughs> yeah, you can get them really cheap, but you don't want to be in those. Um, I would say between six hundred thousand to a mil five, uh, and that's for like a twenty to thirty room property. Um, yep. Something around that range will probably throw off a cash flow of. A hundred to a hundred fifty thousand dollars, um, doing about anywhere from 250 to like 350,000 in revenue, I would say. Typically, um, those numbers
0: sound good to me, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, we typically focus on things that are making at least 300,000 or more because yep. we kind of run ours more management company wise. Most. Those small ends are owner operator. And so they run super lean, where we did originally, but we didn't do the owner operator concept. But now we've kind of built out a management company. You have a lot more overhead. So we would look at things that would be like 200, 250,000, but you're not getting more than maybe a 50 or 60,000 off of it. And at some point, it just, you know, once you, it's that those properties are say great for owner operator where you're building in, you're building up equity in an asset. And if someone wants to own or operate it, well, you're paying yourself a $56,000 salary. It may get to maybe like $70,000, because you're not paying someone else to kind of run it. So, right. um, yeah. But uh, the small ends, typically you'll find good returns on them, like 25% returns cash on cash, um, given that you're putting down probably about 25 to 30% down in the rest of your loan um the bigger hotels will usually give about a 15 to 17 percent return they're more of an equity play so you'll make your money when you're actually selling that asset but they're, they're bigger assets okay hampton Inn will probably cost about 10 million dollars to, to build you know right. um but yeah so we uh, you know the idea was most people say you cannot actually run multiple small inns because it just you can't find people to run them you know uh yeah. and that was the biggest thing and i was like yeah but if you could solve that one problem that yeah they're like you would you would kill it out there right and so that's what we've actually focused on and kind of uh kind of become an expert on it how do you find those people and how do you train them yeah. um, because really you need people with hard work ethic and an exceptional customer service attitude right like i'm talking exceptional right <laughs> Like yeah. bend over backwards figure it out but it's like second nature to them right those two things you don't have to be super educated you just have to be a caring loving good human being that likes to work hard and yeah. so our structure in the senses, i was like look i'm not trying to keep you here you know i want you to grow as high as you want to go if you want to own your own inn, i will get you there you just tell me where you want to be you know and then and i was like yeah and then maybe you can partner in another one and just keep growing and growing and growing so her all her concept is that where you bring in someone Get them an opportunity because most people have not been in the hospitality business and then grow it that way. And that's why our returns are a little higher because we find the right people and we groom them the right way. So it's
0: all about quality management, starting stuff with the right people. Loka, I, I love that you said no way I'm getting into this. And then you <laughs> you got into it because of the numbers, right? <laughs> like, you
1: yeah, just like, like the numbers got.
0: And and you know your numbers inside and out, like you just like ran through basically you know a purchase. I mean, obviously there's more details to it. So so it makes me wonder, you know, because I I have I interview so many investors, and sometimes they'll give me that line of, I just love real estate. But most most do say, I got into it for the money. Like that's like really that's why you get into real estate is you know, and even me, I got into it for the money. Can, yeah. can we find things that we love about this business? Of course. Yeah,
1: right? We have to find a way. Yeah.
0: We, but we have to look for it. Like we got to yeah. go and be like, okay, like, what is it? Yeah. Where's my position in this company? What do I really like? Yeah. And it turns out I'm behind a microphone anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> but just leave me here. I'll be fine. Just This is yeah. where my yeah. place is.
1: Exactly. we'll find our way back to
0: it. Right? But you, you, naturally, you get to it. Like you do the work that you don't like and then you, you graduate to where yeah. you really want to be. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I want to talk about your speaking business. Uh, but before we do that, I've got to find out what is this shipping container hotel system that you created? What, what is it that, uh, how did you stumble upon this? Because right, you go from you're running hotels and you know, flipping small businesses and building these businesses up and, and you shift into an asset class I've never heard of.
1: It's, yeah. it's like combining two asset classes. It's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm always into like, so everyone knows I'm very out of the box, right? And so I'm always getting, and I'm always looking at different business ideas all the time. Uh, and so I've always had friends showing me different things. I always like to be adventurous. I'm getting out there. And so one of my friends um, just, they sent me something on a shipping container hotel out in, uh, I think it was Malaysia. I was like, dude, that is awesome. You know, that's really, really cool. Uh and I was like, I actually want to go there, but I, I never actually checked it out. But then as I started looking at the inside, I was like, you know, this is cool. But as we started getting further and further, a lot of people were holding on to their ends. And then we have a property out in Marfa, Texas. Um, and it's and it, it was one of those small ends, and it, and it sits on 10 acres of land. And you know, this is how crazy of an entrepreneur I sometimes, well, especially when I started was i didn't want to sacrifice a hotel room um if we were slammed for me if i was visiting the property so i will legit tell my manager clean my room and she said where are you to sleep i'm gonna sleep on the roof and she's like what i was like yeah it's nice outside i'll take my sleeping bag to sleep on the roof she's like you're ridiculous and i'm out there just out there sleeping on the roof, check it out, you know, and uh and the next morning I guess would check out. You should clean up the room, and then I'd get back in my room. And yeah, we didn't have to sacrifice that hundred dollars. And uh, you know, so and I, I, I love that. I love being outside, anyways. And it kind of actually sends a message to my to to my managers, too, is that hey, look, I'm here to sacrifice just like you. I don't expect you guys to sleep on the roof, you know, <laughs> something I enjoy. But then I'm like. When I talk to people about it, and then some even customers would be like, "Hey, do you mind if I ch- check it out?" I was like, yeah, "Sign this waiver. We can go upstairs." <laughs> you yeah. know, and then we just hang out there, and like, this is awesome. And so then I saw the shipping container thing, and I'm like, "Huh. You can kind of give a little experience of someone sleeping on top of their room by putting a deck at the top if they wanted to, but I doubt many people would do it. But it's just a cool experience, right?" Because I'm, I'm just out there hanging out, I'm eating dinner, you know, like having a class. Um, and so that's when the idea started coming. It was in 2017, but we got so busy with everything else. Uh, it just gets put on the back burner, right? You just have all these things that are going on. And then lo and behold, um, the pandemic comes, right? <laughs> right? And I, I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things it's 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 been a tough time but you know you can always find the silver lining you can always look for that blessing in disguise slowed everything down because i'm always on the go and i literally told my therms hospitality got hit hard uh even some of these small counties that were in even though hotels were essential businesses they shut us down and so we literally didn't have anything to do and here i am like looking at the mask business and looking at this business looking at that and then this idea of the container shipping container hotel resurfaces. I'm like, oh, I've got nothing to do. I want to get back into this thing, right? <laughs> so um, yeah. And, and as I started to talk to people more about it I, and started to show them things, because that's what I do. I test to see people's excitement factors, right? And everyone likes okay. that's cool, that's dope, that's awesome, like, I'll check it out. And so I was like, hey, why don't we start building a prototype and see how it goes. And so we started doing that. And yeah, here we are now. We're still working on our proof of concept property right now. It's coming together slowly, but surely we're putting it in phases. But yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. So
0: how many did you start with? How many shipping containers did you put out there?
1: 10. 10. Okay. 10, 10, 10. And then it's going to be another phase of 10, 10. And then, but we're doing the glamping at the same time. So, um, and, and, and on the flip side, so I was enamored by the whole concept. But, um, and we don't have a full year yet, but compared to other hotel properties out there, the cost to get in seems to be a lot lower and the returns look like they're going to be a lot higher, like much higher. So what I'm projecting is what it would take to build a $10 million Hampton Inn and sort of the, the cash flow you get off of that. I'm thinking that it may cost two, two and a half million for a container hotel, and you'd make about the same amount of cash flow. Now you won't have this, yeah. Now you may not have the same equity play that you do within Hampton Inn, because hey, once that thing's paid off or you build the value, you only get a 10, $20 million asset over there. But it, it could happen here where, hey, if you build it for two and a half million, it may go for four, it may go for five. And so I won't know until we get there. But that's the number side of it. And I'm like, okay, well, these ends were cool, but this seems a little cooler. And I think it'll, and I think the returns will be a lot better as well. I, I love it. And
0: we were talking a little bit earlier, you jumped into RVs as well now. So you do, you jumped in and you actually went and lived in an RV. Yeah. Tested out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. During COVID. During COVID. During COVID. You know, I'm always, I'm always understanding businesses and uh, anyone that's looking to get into business, I would say that if you're trying to learn the best businesses to get out there in, <clears throat> connect with accountants and lawyers. Because <clears throat> those, the accountants know the numbers of all of their clients and businesses out there. I mean, they're not gonna talk about their clients, but they're gonna understand the businesses and lawyers are doing all the legal and they see all the deals and they see what they're going for. And so I've always connected with those people all the time. And, and one business that I was, uh, the few businesses I've always heard over and over again, I heard self-storage, right? Like before it became a thing, before they were trading on cap rates, you know, once against the the grungy business people. It's, it wasn't very luxurious, very, you know, but it's an income producing asset that has low operational overhead. And so, but then I know people that have made Millions of dollars off of that, you know, net worths in the nine figures, and so then as I'm still connecting with them over and over again for car washes and for RV parks for so the like, last five years, and so um, I'm like, well, the RV business is kind of similar to hospitality, and so I was like, this is kind of cool. And I started looking into them. Hospitality, your mm, operational, your gross profits are normally between. 35 and 40% of your revenue, you know? Wow. And so um, when it comes to these small ends, if you're running them pretty well, you can get to that 50, 55%. You know, um, nice. RV parks, I've seen between 60 and 80% of gross profits, right? So this is like your operational profits. Obviously you have your property taxes, which aren't huge on, on them after, um and then you have if you have a mortgage and and things like that um but yeah so i'm like huh it seems easier to run than hotels maybe a little harder than self-storage So my my prediction is that rv parks will be the next self-storage and then they'll start trading on cap rates and i'm starting to see that they kind of are i've seen some trade at the 14 and 16 caps some is 12. I've seen some put some stuff out at like eight caps that haven't really moved very quickly because I don't think that part's caught on. Um, but the whole thing is, is you know, and I know a lot of private equity got into self-storage. The whole thing is, can you create a system to where it's very easy to run these RV parks and then you get into five, 10, 20, 30, 40, you build up this portfolio where you don't even have to run it. You can put a CEO at the top and then private equity would come and kind of buy them out. Now, this, I always think very big, right? <laughs> but I will get into the small. And so that was the idea behind there. You know, I like the container hotel concept. I think it's cool. It's quirky. It's me. It's different. I can put a lot of my personality in there. Um, but when I was in the when I was going around in RV parks, it was cool. Everyone was really nice that was running the RV parks, but you didn't see the same sort of hospitality that you saw in hotels. So I'm like, what if I just boosted up expenses by like, five six seven percent and brought that hospitality element right when you come in you get a t-shirt you get a mint you get something when you're coming in you get a nice little note you know like like something different that enhances them um one of the things i love is pop rocks candies right like people get excited when they see them uh i have a i have a delorean and in the in the the front of it i have like slap races pop rocks all this stuff right so people get excited to see the car i lift up the trunk but "But wait there's more right they're like pick it all up. Right. Like they get excited. The the, the family, like the parents are like, I haven't had this since a kid. The kids never had it. It's exciting to see the pop rocks pop in their mouth. Like what's going on here. I was like, what if we did that? Every time someone checked in, here's a, a little blast from the past package right here. Right. Like something that we normally didn't see. Right. So, uh, cause I'm all eighties and nineties. So just inject that into it. Um, so yeah, that's how the idea came about. And that's where I'm thinking about going with it. Uh, but once again, we're in proof of concept right here. We haven't even built out a single spot because I just went on that trip in October. Now we're putting all the plans together right now. So, yeah, I,
0: I love it. I love it because my mentor, uh, you know, he's, he's a big landlord, uh, old school landlord, you know, just owns a bunch of property in multifamily arena, um, about 200 units in the city I grew up in. And he, uh, he just recently started RVing. And me and him I, I went out to visit him his first week while he was at the rv at park with his uh his you know brand new beautiful rv and he's sitting there with a cigar and i'm sitting there with a cigar and i'm looking around and we naturally start talking about the numbers so i was like so what do yep. you pay to get here what, <laughs> yeah. what did it look like you know what, is, what are the fees and, and he's like this is the the craziest amount of money i have ever seen ever in real estate he's like i look around and i it's just Piece of grass, money. Piece of grass yep. money. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's money, yep. money, money, money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like and the, and the best thing is you don't like a tenant. They're gone tomorrow. Like
1: <laughs> they're yeah. in, they're out. <laughs> yeah. Come in, they go out. And you have some long term stays too, but it's 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 crazy. And you know, uh to to build a small inn from ground up, you're you know, if you do it pretty cost effective, maybe you get and uh, you could get to maybe 35 40 000 a key a room but usually it's cost like fifty thousand. where and off of that you may be able to charge anywhere from 45 to like 65 dollars a night you know uh you know we're, we're in kind of unique market, so our rates are a little higher we're more in the 80 90 mark but it's just a typical in where are we where hard, is your market What what market are you in so we're in most, so we're in oil and gas markets, uh, close to Midland Odessa, uh, and some on the Eagle Ford Shale, which is like South Texas. And then we're in the West Texas market where like Marfa and Presidio, they're kind of like touristy kind of destinations. Um, Presidio is the safest border crossing to Mexico, and you see a lot of, a lot of commerce that's going, and then Marfa is just a cool, quirky, fun, little artsy town. Out there. Cool. So those, those are our main markets. We have some family assets like in Waco, Texas and some other oil and gas markets. Um, but yeah, so that's what it costs to build an in where a nice RV park will cost you 20 to 30 grand a spot. And that's nice, right? That's nice. And you're, and you're getting anywhere from 35 to $50 a spot on it. And yeah. so I've seen people build them as low as 15 or 17,000. So Bill, even say if you're building it for 20, it's costing you half and you're, you're getting a similar rate, you know uh, and even if you're not getting as high as the rate, your operational costs are just so much lower. right So um, right. that's why I think it'd be a lucrative business. That's why I, like, I've been telling people I'm like, hey, this is the business you guys need to get into And people think it's crazy that I'm like hey, you're trying to get into something you haven't really got into it but you're trying to, you're trying to get a whole bunch of people and I was like, because I'm not about competition right? Like I'm just going to continue to work the way I'm working and let's synergize, you know, let's continue to. And that's how I've always um, succeeded. It's like, I've got information and knowledge. You've got information, and knowledge, you've got ideas, you know, you learn them from anything. I, I, I learned like these little pop rock things from kids, right? You get so excited. I'm like, Hey, I like them. I saw them eating them. I started ordering. Boom. And then I asked them why they liked it. Cause they're so fun. I'm like, yeah, they are freaking fun. Right. Like, <laughs> Well everyone's having fun whenever they come into our property. So you can learn a lot from a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so that's why I think RV parks makes sense. And I think there's a, lot, a huge future there.
0: There's there's a lot of opportunity in every one of the assets you've discussed today. You just put a ton of knowledge out there, Loka. So I got to ask, if, if somebody wants to reach out to you and learn more about one of your coaching programs or uh, just take you on as a mentor what is the easiest way for them to
1: contact you? Um, I think just email me. Uh, It's uh, loca.pundia at gmail.com. It's L-O-K-A dot P-A-N-D-Y-A at gmail.com. And that's probably the best way to get rid of it. And the coaching business is just kind of starting to take off. Uh, I think right now, if anyone just wanted to help and like be mentored, I don't mind just just doing it because I don't, typically get into charging people until I really refined it. But uh, to me, the more people I help, the better it is for me and them right now. And so I, you know, they kind of become a guinea pig for me. Right? And I'm like, hey, is this working? And great. And I get to help somebody in the process and kind of refine um, what I want to do moving forward. And so yeah. and, that, and that's what I'm kind of doing. Remember, we went back to saying, um, you know, I got into hospitality because the numbers made sense. But how I made it actually something that I love is because I started looking at all my employees and I started inspiring them to be greater than they are, right? And have a purpose greater than they are. And some of them just like, you know what? I'm good with my purpose right here. No, like, it's fine. <laughs> purpose side, yeah, cool. And others are like, I want to do something bigger. Even if it's not financially, it's like spiritually, right? Like I've gone to 10 day science and meditation camps. I've done like all these different things. So I like to impart different sorts of knowledge and different people and just kind of help them grow. So, yeah, anybody that wants to reach out, I'd love to help you. Uh, I'm a very open book when it comes to business numbers or anything like that. So, it's like, hey, the more knowledge is out there, the better informed decision you can make into getting into
0: things. I, I honestly, that's, that's what it is all about. And if you're interested in learning more about LOCA, I'm going to have uh, that email address in the show notes. So you can go to Gualtramillo.com, go down to the show notes and check it out. Uh, LOCA's got a lot of stuff to give. And if you're looking to get to the next level, Getting in with a coach who's just beginning, we tend to over-deliver at the beginning. So it, you're, it's a <laughs> great opportunity to uh, to get in, get a great deal on somebody who's uh, at that point where they're just testing it out, beta testing. Uh, we did it for free for a long time. So I, I coached for free for years and years and years. Uh, and it started the same, my, my retail teams, my sales teams. And yeah. I was training them for free because I wanted them to do better. Because yeah. commission yeah, sales, yeah. I, was, I was winning if they won. Yeah, but, exactly. So, I love that mindset. Loka, I always ask uh, at the end, what is three things, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what are three pieces of advice that you would give yourself going forward so that you could improve your life or improve your income earlier in your life? What what three pieces of advice would you give yourself?
1: I think one of the major things out there is self-development uh, huge self-development. And I, and I think people, people talk about reading, you know, is a huge thing, but really getting with these people that kind of inspire you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, getting with people that inspire you, you know, learning from them, but more importantly is what can you invest in yourself? That's going to pay off tenfold. And it wasn't until the pandemic where I really realized that, hey, I look at the highest return on investment and the two things that I'm doing right now that I feel like are gonna pay off forward from a self-development perspective is I'm doing a memory course right now. Um, It's a Dominic O'Brien memory course and then I'm getting into speed reading. And so, because had I done that when I was 20 years old, then the amount of books that I have consumed, I'd read them a lot faster, I'd remember a lot more. And so what I have learned is that most people, when they read something, you're only going to retain anywhere from five to 15%, but you need spaced repetition for it to sink in. And so, um, I would have read books over and over again, a lot more, and I call it installing it into my, in my mind, you know, like now it's second nature, like how to win friends and influence people was that, um, let's see, I would have traveled a lot more. And the reason I say that is because um, right before the – in 2019 and 2020, I started traveling a lot more, and that's where a lot of inspiration started to come. I started connecting with a lot of people and just seeing a lot of things. Uh, There's a Netflix uh, documentary on creativity. They talk about the most creative guy in the world. And he surrounds himself with all these little inputs, right? It could be like cooking utensils or it could be like toys and things like that. And he he tells you that creativity is repurposing things that you've already seen. And so, um, like, for example, I've understood like the S-Class Coupe that Mercedes built was modeled after a shark. Someone in the design team said, hey, the shark is, it's, it's strong, it's fierce. Let's make that into a car because aesthetically, as humans, we like nature and things that are out in nature. And so, boom right? That's why it looks so good. Uh, So travel a lot more. And um, I think, and I do a lot of this, but a lot more charity work, really. Uh, It's going to be intrinsically rewarding. And on the flip side, there's just so many great people I've met. And it's people from all spectrums. Um, You can learn from someone who has been in poverty right in their experience there and it kind of puts things in perspective but then in charity there's a lot of successful people that want to give back as well and so uh get into it early I didn't really get into it when until I was 28 you know um but and I was thinking and the reason I got into it in 28 because I'm like I was always thinking I'm almost going to give back more when I'm like 50 60 I was like why am I waiting so long and there's so many great things that come from that so yeah
0: yeah, I, I like it, local. We don't want to all be Warren Buffett, where we make our money, make our money, make our money, and start giving back when we're in our seventies. Yeah. It's you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can it's... you can give back a little bit earlier. There's ways to do yeah. it, and and for me, I've I found uh, that you know I give back you know through the coaching, right? So I do a lot of free speaking, a lot of free events. This podcast is yeah. another free thing that we do, and it's a way to pay it forward. It's a way to get yeah. other people, you know, it's feed them, give them a fish instead of feeding them a fish, and. Uh, education is really, uh, to me, it's the best way to pay it forward to people. It's the best charity you can do is if you've learned something, it's done well for you. Don't teach things that are redundant, but go out and teach something that's valuable to other people. That's, it's the best charity, in my opinion, that you can go out and and do for somebody. In fact, uh, that leads us to my mission, build 100 millionaires. And it's a goal that we created just out of, okay, how do we give back more? Like, how do we, how do we, quantify and qualify that we're actually doing something, right? we're giving something back. And I think that millionaires, uh, they donate more to charity than the average person. And yeah, so sure. and they have, they create their own charities and they go out yeah. and they do a lot. And so building a yeah. hundred millionaires leads to a lot of impact and, yeah. uh, and change. I, so Luca, you've, you've been, I mean, I know that you and I could probably talk over <laughs> hours and I still wouldn't have like scratched the surface of what you're capable of, what you've done, where you're going. Uh, Again, can you give your information again? If somebody wants to reach out to you,
1: just learn a little bit more about where you're at and what you're looking to do. What is your email address? Uh, My email address is loka.pandia at gmail.com. That's L-O-K-A dot P-A-N-D-Y-A at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you, Loka. Been a phenomenal call.
0: And for you listeners, please, please do me a huge favor. Go to iTunes and go and put a positive review on the Alchemist Nation podcast. It helps other people find us and it helps us get some really cool guests on the show. Thank you so much for watching. When you have a choice, always work with the best. Cheers to your success. Take care, man.
1: You have a great day.